0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal.
1: Hey folks, Eddie Trunk here and it's time for the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, PodcastOne.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out and subscribing and listening however, wherever, whenever you do it around the world. I appreciate it. Hope you're all having a great week. It's uh, good to have you Listening, and I greatly appreciate it. And I hope you all enjoyed Brian Adams last week. I mean, a tremendous amount of response to that. It's pretty incredible because... Brian Adams is a guy that doesn't do a ton of interviews and it was so cool to talk to him and he had nothing to promote beyond just talking about his career and uh, so much great response. Brian Adams, one of those artists that no matter what genre of rock you're into, there's usually something you like about him and his music and at least some of his records. So there were a lot of people from a wide range of rock taste that really enjoyed that interview and I heard a lot about it and I greatly appreciate uh, all the kind words and of course thanks to Brian for doing it. So if you missed that it's there for you you can always go back a couple weeks and grab podcasts that you may have missed and I urge you to do so in case you uh, you may have missed something. Also don't forget all the podcasts you hear including that Brian Adams interview originate on my Sirius XM radio show Trunk Nation which you can hear daily live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. On channel 106 volume, nightly re 10 to midnight Eastern and anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Please come on board and join me daily for Rock Talk on volume on Trunk Nation if you're in the U.S. or Canada and you are already not on board. You're only getting a tiny taste here on the podcast of what I do on a daily basis on the radio. This week's interview also originates and originated and aired live on Trunk Nation on Sirius XM about two weeks ago. And it's conversation with current Queensryche lead singer Todd LaTorre. Believe it or not, Todd has been in Queensryche now about 10 years, and I think three studio records with the band. He was widely embraced as a new member of the band, filling the very big shoes of Jeff Tate, And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that with him joining the band, they really pivoted back towards the harder rock stuff and the earlier records that most Queensryche fans favor in that direction. Todd talks a little bit about that in the interview you're about to hear. Todd also has a brand new solo record, his first ever, that's really good and has a wide range of genres of metal on it, but it's a bit more intense and heavier then maybe even queensrike and and not as proggy but more metal and uh it's real good todd plays drums on it and and also sings of course and he has a uh, the whole record was made with a an old friend of his on guitar. You'll hear all about this in the interview, but we talk Queensryche. We talk what's next for Queensryche. We talk about the status of Scott Rockenfield. We talk about how Todd feels he's meshed in and been accepted by the Queensryche fans. And, of course, the solo record that I just mentioned that is out now. So I think you're going to enjoy this. When it aired on my radio show, I heard from a lot of people about this interview who really maybe weren't that hip to Queensryche and Todd's story and really, really liked it and really became fans if they weren't already. Uh, After hearing this interview and Todd's whole approach to things and his demeanor and attitude about his position in the band. I I mean, I know it sounds crazy, given that Queensryche's a pretty big band, and so many people in my audience know them, but I truly did hear from a lot of people who said, you know, yeah, I never really considered Queensryche without Jeff Tate, but hearing that guy on your show, I mean, he sounds like a guy I could really root for. And I think that's a really cool thing, even after all these years converting people and getting people on board uh, with a band that's been around for as long as Queensryche has. So we'll talk about all of that coming up on this week's podcast. Don't forget, follow me on social media, especially Twitter and Instagram, simply at Eddie Trunk. is the official online home. There is also a Facebook fan page. You can uh, email me through the website, and also don't forget I'm on Cameo. If you're interested in a personalized video, just go to Cameo.com and you can order and search my name there, and you'll find it. You can no longer book Cameos on their app on an Apple device for me. In order to book a Cameo, just go to Cameo.com, or if you have an Android, you can use the app, but no longer available for me to book on Apple uh, because Apple was just wasn't working. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, they take a big cut and it uh, didn't make any sense to do it through them. So Cameo.com. That's where you go to book a cameo if you are so interested. And uh, also don't forget, I want to mention this again real quick. You know, I did a TV show for Access TV for 17 episodes, a show called Trunk Fest, covering music events, and we're all missing music events greatly. So have a look at the show if you never watched it. It's kind of fun, and it's a little bit out of my element, and it also I think is kind of cool because it will maybe give you some – some remembrances of the great concerts and music events that we've been missing for the last year and counting and you can see it on access tv's website which is axs.tv if you search my name or TrunkFest, fest the episodes should come up so avail- they're available now for the first time ever online or on their app so have a look if you never saw my latest tv project trunk fest 17 total episodes Uh, They hardly, if ever, air on the channel for reasons unknown, but they are on the app if you'd like to see the show. And I think you'll really enjoy it, especially given we just don't have concerts right now and a lot of people are missing these events. Gives you a little reminder of the great times we've had and hopefully will have coming Back soon. Also, real quick, I want to give a big thank you to my friend Ron Mancuso. I just came back from Vegas this past weekend. I went out there to look at some property and um, I'm excited to be making a part time move there soon. But I went out and uh, I just had a great time, and Ron is always so great to me. He let me do my radio show from his studio there, uh, a great, great restaurant called the Bootlegger Bistro that him and his family own, uh, and, and we just had a great night there as well. Got to see Frank Sidoris, who of course plays with Slash, and Wolfgang Van Halen. Jason Hook, formerly a Five Finger, came out and hung out with us. Uh, Stoney Curtis, tremendous guitar player locally based there in in Vegas. Uh, My buddy, Zach Throne, we just had a great time and a great night. And I thank my friend, Ron Mancuso, who is uh, always throwing a great party for me when I come out there and tremendous hospitality. So check out the bootlegger if you are in Vegas and hopefully that town will be coming back soon to full throttle. It definitely felt that way. There were a lot of people in Vegas last weekend. So it's nice to know that city is hanging in there and hopefully shows are back around the corner very soon as well. All right, let's get to Todd Latoury this week's. Uh, podcast interview. It's coming up next.
0: The Eddie drunk podcast.
1: Hey folks, are you paying out of your own pocket for gear? You need to do your job, all kinds of departments across the nation. All those good folks, police, fire, EMS, medical workers on the front lines, even military units. Uh, You deal with constrained budgets, outdated gear, but there's still a job to do and you need the right gear to do it. Hunting for military first responder discounts has historically required going from one website to another, creating multiple account logins just to make purchases and jumping through various hoops to verify your service. Don't you wish there was just one, one place where you could visit? That had a carefully crafted selection of deals for military first responders in one spot? Well, folks, we got that answer for you because it is the place to go. And that place is no doubt about it. What I'm about to tell you about, and that is GovX.com. GovX works directly with brands to negotiate the best price possible because you deserve the gear you need at the prices you've earned, plus you can trust that the gear you're ordering is 100% authentic, direct from the manufacturers. Big general retailers, they don't care about you and your sacrifices as long as you're clicking on the add to the cart button. Not GovX. Got a huge collection of gear and apparel from popular brands all in one convenient location. GovX honors your service and gives back to your customers. Communities. So if you're an American of service, a current or former member of the military, firefighters, frontline medical or law enforcement communities, or the emergency medical communities, join GovX for free and enjoy a community that honors and gives back to patriots like you. And if you got a military or a first responder background, you visit govx.com. You sign up for free for instant access to tons of deals and a community that honors your service. And check this out. Use the promo code TRUNK15, T-R-U-N-K-15. You get $15 off your first order of $50 or more. That's an amazing deal. Just use my code TRUNK15 govx.com govx.com
0: support for this podcast comes from pluto tv need an escape drop into pluto tv for a world of free tv stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free yeah free no subscriptions no fees imagine 24 7 channels of narcos csi star trek survivor and everything else from hit movies to binge worthy tv shows the latest news live sports comedy and more what are you waiting for Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in, watch free. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
1: Okay, it's Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's podcast. And as I mentioned, my guest, current Queensryche lead singer Todd LaTorre, talking about Queensryche his new solo album, and a whole lot more. Enjoy. Here is Todd Latore. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Ed?
0: Doing all right? Good.
1: Yeah, man. How's that? I'm in New Jersey with over two feet of snow. You're in Florida, oh. I assume, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm in Florida. It's probably in the upper 50s, clear blue skies, and palm trees. I, I, feel, I feel for you guys up there. <laughs>
1: that's cold for you, isn't it? Uh, 50-something, it's, right?
0: I got I got a long sleeve and a flannel on.
1: <laughs> and, and and I have the heater on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You're probably just shaking in your boots there, Todd, aren't you? Oh God. You well, you're you're not you know, everybody from my area of the country, New York, New Jersey, and when I was a kid I could never understand it. Like why when I go to Florida is everybody there from originally from New York, New Jersey? And and I find that as you know, people get older, they all migrate there. They all go there. And now that I'm 56, I completely understand why people move to Florida. And Florida is like New York, New Jersey South. But you're a native, right?
0: I'm a native. Yeah, I'm a true native born here in St. Petersburg, Florida. But you know, when you get older, you don't want to start shoveling snow and scraping ice off your car anymore. It gets old, you know. You just cut the grass. That's it. So, yeah, we have a lot of lot of people from up north that come here, and uh, you know, I guess I live where a lot of people like to retire. But um, I'm not a fan. I, li- I like the cold to visit. You know, visit when it's cold for like a week, and then I'm and then I'm over it, and then I want to come back. <laughs>
1: Well, keep keep your eye open for some places around you that might look good that are on sale, and let me know because I might be joining you there soon. I'm a I'm lot, a lot of people are
0: looking here, to be honest, and the market's blowing up here. I mean, I'm oh, five yeah. minutes from downtown, and yeah, it's I have friends in the market for a house, and they're just like, man, I can't believe how expensive things are there for what you get, and so yeah, it's a it's a destination people like.
1: Oh yeah, Florida, uh, Texas, um, Nevada, which I'm looking in. There's a lot of yep. lot of people leaving some of these big cities and going to those places for a variety of reasons. So, uh, but you're you're a native, so everybody's coming to see you down there. Um, yep. When you were growing up in that area, you know that there's certain parts of Florida that are really known for being hotbeds for metal. Certainly, the Tampa area is. Mm-hmm. What was the scene like as you were growing up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can remember there was a mall right where I where I lived in Seminole called Gateway Mall. And there was a music store in there that I used to go to when I was like 13, 14, you know, even to this day. But I, I, I remember seeing like the guys from Deicide, like walking in the mall, like, you know, like a little gang. <laughs> and it was I think it was like right when Glenn Benton, like did that crucifix in his forehead or whatever. Yeah. People were like terrified of, you know, but. I mean, I'm, I'm 20 minutes from Tampa, but this whole area here, you know, is kind of hailed as the birthplace of death metal. So a lot of ban- atheist atheists is from here, um, obituary death. Um, and then my, my friend, Eric Rutan, um, he's got a studio like 20 minutes away and they record like cannibal corpse and you know, a lot. So all of the, you know, sabotage came from Tampa yeah. comes and glory was from Sarasota. So you know, primarily the death scene is, 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 you know, was always popular here and everybody used to record at more sound studios. And so, yeah, it's a, it was, it was a thing here. I mean, we used to have a, a show on 98 rock called the pit and they would play at night. They would play all of the, you know, the more extreme, uh, heavy metal styles of music. So, you know, it always hear obituary on the radio and slayer and, you know, stuff like that.
1: Were you into the death metal stuff Todd were, were was that ever your thing I never got into it personally but were you Um
0: you know to to a degree but I was more I was more into thrash you know I was definitely more into to Testament and Overkill and Metal Church and you know I was more into the thrash stuff but but you know I did listen to Obituary I did listen to um uh, a little bit of Death I listened to uh you know There's a lot of bands, I can't name them all, but, you know, there was was some stuff that I got into, you know. As a drummer, I mean, the the technicality and what these guys were doing, especially back then, that was a very extreme form of drumming that you just really didn't hear with all the blast beats and and, and the double bass and all the tom work and everything. So as a drummer, I was always blown away by, you know, the technical proficiency of, of what that involved, but I was always more into the groove. I liked more, you know... I like thrash where it's not blast beats the whole time. Um, I appreciate it, but after a little while, it kind of wears on me. And so I'm, I'm more into, you know, if it's extreme music, I I, I would agree. I like more like behemoth, you know, or Gojira or, you know, so a lot of more like melodic black metal. Melodic yeah, see, I, don't,
1: I, I don't mind the, uh, I don't mind the heaviness of the music or the intensity of the music, but I'm I'm a fan of singers all the way, and I gotta hear singing. I gotta hear some melody. (laughs) I gotta hear some singing. I cannot do the growly, grunty, screamy vocal thing. It's just it's just not my taste. It it, I got to hear singing, and that's where I use that stuff.
0: It's it's certainly not for everybody, but you know, there's a um, you know Chuck Billy from Testament. You know, when he would do like a a growl and practice what you preach or um, disciples of the watch, you know, uh, then he came out, they came out with a song called Dog Face Gods. And that was all pretty much gutturals, which I love. Um, It's it's not for everybody, but there's a certain attitude that you're never going to get like, quote, singing like there's just a it's almost like these guys that down tune guitars. You know, it's almost sometimes where you're almost not even hearing a note same with the the growling it's it's vocalizing i don't consider it singing per se i consider it vocalizing and so um you know there's a huge demographic of heavy metal fans out there that totally love that style
1: oh i know but but i I understand i I understand
0: where you're coming from you know a band like opeth can do both they can sing and do the, the the gutturals
1: for you, were you? Uh, for, now most people know. Maybe there's a few that don't that are listening uh, th- because you've been the singer in Queens right now. How long have you been this? Uh, how long has this gone on? Like ten years, is it?
0: Uh, this July will be nine years.
1: So close, so almost ten years that you've yeah. been in, yeah. in Queens right. But for people that that don't know and don't follow all that closely, uh, you you are a great drummer. You play drums on your solo album, which we're going to talk about in a second. You also play drums on the last Queensryche album. What, when coming up as a musician, what was first for you? What was it drumming or singing? What was the first thing you took to?
0: Um, Well, I started playing guitar when I was 10. My mom bought me a classical guitar. Yeah. And then at 13, my dad bought me uh, my first acoustic drum set. And I still have that set today. It's, it's packed up in the, in the storage. But, um, and then I really just kind of ran with drums. So I always wanted to be a drummer in a band professionally, and like, that's what I wanted to do. But I, I did write songs, and I would always kind of sing stuff, but I was never trying to sing in a band. I, I never thought I was good enough to like, front a band or anything like that, but I always enjoyed singing. So drumming is is always like kind of my first passion but I do I you know obviously I I love singing but I as you know I consider myself a drummer that likes to sing.
1: But when did when did that because playing heavy music, like I, Joey Belladonna from Anthrax can play drums, yep. and I've yeah, seen know. him with his own band play drums yep. and sing some Anthrax songs, which is just nuts to me to play yeah, like yeah. that and sing at the same time. When did you? What, what, was it with Crimson Glory that you made the transition to say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll come out front and sing"?
0: Well, I, I was gonna. I'll make it really short because I know you're probably pressed for time. No, I was on time. We're good. There was. Okay. There was a local band that played a lot of the eighties metal rock and hard rock and metal. And, um, there was a guy that I was friends with at the time that had heard me kind of sing cause we were friends and he basically forced pressured me to get up there and sing wasted years with this band. And I didn't want to do it. I was kind of embarrassed and I got up there and I did it. And then the guy that ran sound was telling the band like, Hey, there's your guy if you want to do like an Iron Maiden tribute band. And this was before tribute bands were all over the place. Like they really didn't exist that much. It was a couple maybe. And so I did a few, I did, I did a few rehearsal, one rehearsal with them and they weren't really blown away by me at all. And, and then uh, my friend who's was the bass player, he said, you know, you know, you're a good singer and all, but I, I'd love to play with you as a drummer. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not, I don't want to play in a band doing covers as a drummer like I'd rather do original stuff but so I went into a music the music store and my friend Matt Laporte who played in John Oliva's Pain uh, you know John Oliva from Sabotage sure. I we he sent me a song and I said yeah I want to give the singing thing a try so he gave me a song it's on YouTube it's called the welcome experience and it was just a little just a little fun thing just to show him what I could maybe do and he loved it and then he asked if I ever heard of Crimson Glory. of And he said, they're doing a concert in Atlanta at the Prague power show as a memorial to the original singer midnight who passed away. I want to introduce you to the band, blah, blah, blah. So I went up there, did rehearsals just as like, you know, a fill in guy because they had like 17 guest singers. So I was kind of role playing. Okay. This singer, you know, will Nils rue from Pagan's mind. He's going to sing this part. And, uh, Mark, Mark, uh, Bowles is going to sing this part. So I was just doing that and they were really impressed with what I did. I was invited to sing two songs at that thing, which was awesome. Nobody knew who I was and I did that. And then that guitarist and I started working together and that's how I got into Crimson Glory. I was never trying to be the singer of any band. And then when I met Michael at NAMM, you know, at a dinner party, he looked me up on YouTube and said wow, you know, because I, I had done a couple tours with Crimson Glory and he was impressed and that's really how like all of this happened. I was never trying to like front a band, you know. B- drums were like, you, say my michael, when you
1: say michael, you mean michael wilton
0: Michael Wilton, yeah
1: right, which Michael Wilton. think it's which I Which I to I was I stuff, which originally yeah. started. I was t- I was reminding my audience earlier, When that all went down, you originally came in as the singer in a band called Rising West.
0: Yeah, so at that point, uh, to my understanding, you know, Jeff was promoting um, his uh, solo record. And there was like, I think Queensryche was kind of being shelved, to be honest, or, you know, they didn't really have much on the calendar. And, you know, so Michael said, well, what if we did some old Queensryche stuff? and and had Todd sing under another band name. And then when Queensryche, you know, is going to resume, then they'll go resume with Jeff, and that'll be that. Well, I didn't know that there was a lot of turmoil in the band. And so when all that stuff happened, you know, literally it was just a a lateral move where he was fired or whatever, and, you know, they said, you, you know, Let's go play a show. And i that's how I kind of became the singer in Queensryche. It, it happened really pretty quickly because the Rising West things were in June. And then in July, I was, I think, mid-July, I was officially the new singer of Queensryche. And that, that's that been almost <laughs> nine years.
1: Did that kind of take you by surprise that that transitioned of like course. that that quickly? <laughs> and that all of a oh, sudden yeah, you're like, you're you fronting know a band called I, I Queensryche remember- and you're Jeff Tate's replacement. Like, what?
0: I, rem- I remember, I remember when I got an email from Michael and he was like, Hey, here's some, some, you know, some tunes and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I was thinking, you know, okay, it's not, it's the guys from Queen Strike, You know, I'm going to be singing this stuff. You know, if it, if I only do this one time in my life, like what an awesome experience and a feather in my cap. And like, this is so cool. I never in my wildest dreams, thought that it would manifest or materialize into what it did. And I was, I was just honored that I was even emailed by, by Michael and you know, that kind of thing. And when it, and then when all that happened, I was like, Oh, but man, wouldn't it be cool if like I was actually under that band name? Like that would be amazing. It's never going to happen, but you know, it's, it's fun to think about. And then when all that happened, I was just like I can't even believe my name is actually like under this umbrella of the name Queensright. This is like not happening to me. I can't believe it. It was amazing.
1: I mean obviously I've known those guys since long before you were in the band and a ton of history yeah, yeah. with those guys. Yeah. Uh but, but did it surprise you how and we're going to talk about your record, of course, in the second year. But one quick thing on this, I always wonder: did it surprise you how quickly you were embraced? I mean, you stepped into really big shoes. Obviously, Jeff's voice, uh, iconic to the to those songs. But you mm-hmm. were, and I've said this earlier, you were very quickly embraced, at least from an outsider's perspective, because I think not only because you did such a great job. With the material, but because it, it, with your arrival, the band steered back into a direction, I think a lot of fans had hoped they would go back to, which was a heavier, earlier stuff. So did it yeah. surprise you that, that what would to an outsider look like a really impossible situation to me, it looked like seemed to be, you were pretty embraced quickly.
0: Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, there was a divide among their, you know, their audience for sure, which I totally get. I I totally get it, you know, Um, but there were some things by default that were already in my favor. Number, for example, um, you know, they, they weren't playing, they were down tuning. Okay. They were down tuning the songs. And it it does kind of change the way it sounds a little bit, and then you know they were playing a lot of stuff from like American Soldier, which you know to me is doesn't sound anything like Queens. There's many albums that to me just were not the Queens like I grew up loving and cherishing, and um, and then you know there there were a lot of notes that were not being sung the way people expect or want and and i don't even fault i don't fault jeff for that because as i told him in person you've you've already done so much i don't care no you know you don't have to record another thing in your life as far as i'm concerned let alone hit high notes or anything like you know whatever but the the fact remains that when, when i did get into the band and the first time i ever met those guys they said, "Okay, well, we know all this stuff. What do you know? What do you want to do?" I go, "Well, let's let's warm up with Queen of the Reich," and they were like, "What?" I'm like, "Let's just just start with that. You know, that's not that hard." And you know, I was I, I came out of Crimson Glory singing much higher than Queen's Reich, so I was nailing that stuff like in my sleep. It was not hard, and uh, and so they were like, "Holy crap, this guy!" And I said, "I want to play." Enforced the warning, you know, uh, NM 156. Like, I'm pulling out all the old stuff. And I said, Look, you're none of your fans care about anything post Promised Land with all due respect. There might be some good songs on the records, but as a whole, these are the records that your fans covet. This is what they want to hear. This is what they miss. So let's do the stuff that kicks ass and what people really want to hear. And this is what I want. This you're asking me what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And so, boom, we started doing all that old stuff. And people felt like, even though I'm not the original guy, they're like, man, I haven't heard these songs or I haven't heard these songs performed this way in decades. So just right out of the gate, that worked to my advantage. And I know I'm not the original guy. I'm never going to be. That's okay. Um, You know, I, I know my place. I, I respect the legacy and and I just uh, want to represent the band and the old songs it, the best way I'm capable of and then write great stuff moving forward uh, is the next chapter of the band, you know? Um, so that that's kind of, that's kind of how I see it. I, I There was a split with the, with the fan base, but once, and people have come up to me at shows, Eddie, and they say, I owe you an apology. And I'm like, Uh, no, you don't. I don't even know you. Well, no, I was, you know, I didn't want to give you a chance, but I tell you what, you really sang great tonight and the band sounded awesome. I felt like I was 19 again and, and they want to shake my hand and say, you're, you're, you're doing an awesome job and thanks for bringing this band, you know, keeping this band going this way. And I'm very humbled. I'm very thankful that people, you know, People, if they just give it a chance, that's all that we ask. If they walk away and they don't like it, that's their prerogative. But I think if you're honest with what you hear and you take away the, the purest mentality, um, it's, it's kind of, it, they're good performances and people have to recognize that even though they have their personal biases and, and that it fights against their better judgment.
1: One last thing and then we'll change gears to your solo record, which of course we'll okay. talk about here in a second. Um sure. you, you mentioned you told Jeff about this stuff to his face in person. I, I was yep. at the show when you I think it was in Ohio or something where you No, and no Jeff this
0: was in Spain
1: okay there was a show in ohio where i think i was at where you guys might have both been there or something but anyway you you have had an in-person discussion with him since you've been in the band have you had any other dialogue with him? have you talked to him at all since you you in recent no. years or has there been any any other exchanges
0: no no just just the one meeting in in spain and you know that was about a 15 minute conversation we had and uh that was it i mean i don't I don't have his phone number. He doesn't have mine. We don't communicate, but you know, it it was cordial and respectful and you know, that's all that it was.
1: Talking with Queensryche lead singer, Todd Latoury, who this Friday releases his first ever solo record, which is really, really a killer metal record. It's called rejoice in the suffering. I've been checking it out, really enjoying it. Todd, congratulations. Uh, Why now, to do the solo record. How long has this been brewing?
0: Well, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, this is, this has been something that I've wanted to do. Um, even like right when I joined Queensrake. um, I had some demos of some things that I had written. None of that stuff made this record by the way. Um, but it's something that I've been wanting to do for years and years. But as you know, you know, when, when without the pandemic, all of us are always touring, we're flying, we're writing, recording. So if you're not in the studio and doing that, you're you're flying and touring. So there's just never really adequate time to sink your teeth into the material to to really, you know, get into that headspace and do this. And it's been it's just been so long. So once we had our last two shows that were canceled in March, we flew home March 13th and then I called Craig Blackwell, my my one of my best friends and co-writer and guitarist on the record, I called him and said, okay, now's the time. I'm not going to be flying, traveling for a while. I don't know how long, but this is a an, a perfect opportunity to take advantage of the time and let's buckle down and get this done. So we wrote and recorded the the material and did the record in like four months. So we just, every single day, it was a full-time job, just writing and you know, getting these songs shaped up and then recording them.
1: So it really was a byproduct of the pandemic then. And I've brought that up a lot over the course of the last year because you have so many artists. And and let's be honest, the business is on the road and has been for a really long time. That's where the money's made. That's where your bread is buttered. And a lot of artists found themselves... Uh, suddenly with a lot of time at home, which is something they're not used to. And most of them went in and made records somehow, whether they did it themselves, they did it virtually, they got tested and all went into a studio, whatever the case may be. So I think we've gotten a lot more records than we would have expected during all this, but I think there's a ton in the pipeline still about to come out as a result. And it sounds like that that time is what really gave you the chance to finally do this the way you wanted to do it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 expedited the process. Absolutely. I, I was still going to do it, but you know, like it just, I don't know how long, how much longer it would have taken. Cause when you're traveling, I mean, you travel a lot when you travel and you get home, it's, you know, you got to chill out and decompress and then spend time with your significant other or do things around the house or whatever. This, this just made that possible without distraction so like if i'm focused on on writing lyrics that day i have all day and night to do it and then the next day i can pick right back up on it i'm not packing a suitcase and then on a plane and then i say okay well i'll get to it again in three days or i'm in the hotel room and you know maybe i'll play with it here now i need to be focused without distraction and so yeah that's that's why this was able to get done so well and and quickly
1: you know what what's really cool about the record is it, to me it's very much a metal record but it also it doesn't sound like queen's and it also uh within the 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 very broad wide uh, scope of an umbrella because metal means something different to everybody. I mean there's people that think yeah. Bon Jovi's metal it's just there's a <laughs> wide scope yeah. of the metal umbrella but within that within the real uh, the real um nuts and bolts of metal there's still a lot of variety when i listen to the record i hear things that remind me of accept there's things that feel a little bit like testament there's times where it feels a little bit like painkiller era judas priest it's a really it's it's what my point is to me it's it's very diverse still by also still being a consistent metal record if that makes sense
0: Oh, I, I think you uh, summed that up rather well because there is the diversity, but as a continuous play, you don't—you're not hearing songs that feel like they don't belong. Um, you know, there are three bonus tracks. The the main record I always like to say is one through ten, and the other three are just extra goodies for people that get to hear some other stuff. But, um, you know, one of the things that I I really wanted on this record musically was groove and a lot of people have referenced fight or Halford or you know I really wanted that groove that's what I loved Pantera it was heavy but they still had that groove that made your body move to it and um, that's something I always I always wanted I said I don't hear I don't hear this anymore if you hear like thrash music you know usually or you know I don't want to name stations or anything, but I've put on some other stations that's metal and it's all the whole time. And it's like, man, where's the singers out there? You know, there's a time and a place, but everything sounds the same to me. And, you know, and, and when I put this out, I didn't have any agenda or motive other than, Hey, Craig, we're going to go back to our roots of what we love as fans of metal. And what I would like to hear in my CD player, This is stuff I like and what I want to hear. And then as we did it, you know, there were a few people that heard it and said, nobody's putting out music like this anymore. This is like a lost thing. And I was like, really? You know, and I I hadn't really examined what's out there to compare it to. And I said, you know, I really don't. It's either like very power metal or super symphonic. And like it's over the top, almost cinematic, or it's so down tuned that you don't even hear guitar, good guitar tone anymore. And again, it was an opportunity to, to just show a variety of vocal styles that I can do. And a lot of singers, there's great singers out there, but a lot of them have one sound. And you've heard the term one trick pony. I'm not a one trick pony, as you have, have learned from this record that it's like being a guitar player. If I said, Eddie, here's your guitar. You have one pickup and a distortion channel. That's it. You can't change pick. You can't switch between other pickups. There's no clean channel, no reverb, no delay, no chorus, no special effects, nothing. How colorful is your playing really going to sound? It's, it's going to be very one-dimensional. Well, I, I, I want to utilize those tools of my voice, since that's also my instrument, and and play with those things that are that are available to me. Um, and I knew that, it, you know, it wasn't anything like Queensryche, and that's, that's another whole point. Why would I want to try to create something right. when I have the best, which is Queensryche, to sound like that? You know, so I, it's throwing people for a curveball. When you heard it, you were probably like, whoa, that's Todd? I didn't expect that. And I've been singing like that for a long time. I just don't sing like that in Queensryche because it doesn't call for it.
1: Right and it makes sense why would you do an album? Why would you step outside of your main band and do a solo album? It doesn't make any sense for anybody to do that that it sounds exactly like what they do in the main band anyway and uh right. you, you know i i I thought you know I thought that the the whole record... and I did not know first of all I didn't know that you started out until you said earlier playing guitar now I know on the yeah. record you play drums and sing and I know you've got <laughs> uh, Craig as your guitar player on this record, but do you play any guitar on it as well? Um,
0: I didn't track guitar on the record, but there were some guitar parts that I wrote. Um, you know, darkened majesty was a song that I said to Craig, Hey, check this out. I think this is pretty cool. And I played in the guitar parts and, um, and he loved it and, and, you know, played that and then wrote, wrote his own parts for the, uh, the rhythm beds behind the solo. But, you know, as a guitarist, I do, I did show Craig a lot of stuff, but I mean, he's a far superior guitarist than I am. So I need to just, you know, I don't need to be a one man band. This is the guy who's the, you know, the best at this for me. So you're, you're going to track all the guitars. And, and honestly, like you would, you would want the same hand playing both rhythms, for example. Like if I was said, Oh, I want to play rhythms on here. Even though I know the parts, maybe I knew the part perfectly, it's not the same as having the same right hand of that rhythm player on both rhythm tracks when you're recording. So you really want to stay consistent and have the same player. And so I just, you know, I didn't record anything uh, on this record with guitar, but I did do some songwriting on guitar with Craig. But, I mean, ninety. 90 plus p- percent of the music that you hear on guitar and those riffs, th- that's Craig. He he wrote those, and then we we would talk about them and tweak them as we saw fit.
1: Yeah, the name is Craig Blackwell. He's he's a, he's a killer player. You know, when I saw the video, which your, is your most recent video, maybe my favorite song on the record, uh, Crossroads to Insanity, and then there's the guitar break in it, which I just love that sort of melodic playing in, in yeah. metal as well. I was like I I tweeted the link to it and I said I, I and then I came on the air I said, I don't know who this guitar player is, but he's killer. So his background is just he's a guy that was is in the area of Florida and a longtime friend of yours, I imagine, played in some bands in that area.
0: Yeah, so the first band we we put an EPK out that's on YouTube that explains the history of me and Craig and um and kind of how the record was made in a nutshell. And the first band I ever joined as a drummer was called Blackwell. And, you know, in high school, I was 14 or 15 years old. And then we just, we kept playing in bands through our 20s. And he's, you know, he was always like just such a good guitar player. You know, he was like that guy. And, uh, you know, but after, after you reach a certain age and you don't, quote, make it, you know, you kind of... Stop playing in live bands and pursuing that path, but he still has produced uh, stuff and um, you know continues to play uh, different styles of music with guitar. He's a drummer also. Um, so he you know we, we just speak the same language and and uh, he just didn't have a platform like I do. For, for more people to hear what he can do. And so when I, right. when I did this record, people say, well, you could have got, you know, so many people that are well-known. I said, it's not about that. This is about me doing what I want. This isn't a name grab. I'm not trying to grab somebody's name to, like, boost my uh, popularity with the record. I just want, I want what I want for the songs. And I told Craig, dude, this is our time. Just like when we were eighteen nineteen twenty twenty five we're going to do a legit record, and the world's going to hear it, and you're finally going to get some your you know some notoriety for what you've spent your whole life doing and he's an awesome player I mean he's tasty it's the riffs are killer, his solo work is super clean, and uh you know he 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 also exhibits reservation you know when, when he needs to hold back like you said the solo and crossroads to insanity. It's got some shred in there, but it's, it's very tasty and some harmony leads. And, you know, he just did a phenomenal job on the record. And, and I hope that people uh, can appreciate what he brought to this.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really cool that you gave a guy like that an opportunity to do that and worked with him for the reasons you said, because we all have no matter where people are listening across the country right now, we all have people in our areas of the country that we saw coming up on the clubs or regional bands were like, man, that guy's going to go somewhere. Something should happen or he should get a deal. And they they didn't. I mean, like, you know, like I'm from New Jersey. Zach Wild is from New Jersey. I saw Zach play in the clubs when nobody when he, when he wasn't even called Zach Wild and the people that he looked up to playing on the scenes on the scene here guys like uh, uh, Kenny Dubman Dave DiPietro now I'm saying those names People listening have no idea who they are in the in the in the grand scheme of things. But in New Jersey, those were the guys that like the guys in Skid Row grew up seeing and were like influenced by or took lessons from, or Zach Wilde, who got the breaks and went on. So it's really cool when you can take uh an, have that opportunity. Mark Tornillo, who's been the singer in Accept for the last ten years, a friend of mine for like forty years from New Jersey. He's a, he was a union electrician, and Accept found him. And he was already at fifty years old, and they put him as the singer yep. and accept, and he still is. So when you hear those stories, it's really inspiring, and it's great to see uh, your mm-hmm. loyalty to him and to for him to have an opportunity to showcase his talent.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, it, well, you know what it is, Eddie. When I, you know, when my friend Matt Laporte um, introduced me to the Crimson Glory guys, you know, I was I was just an undiscovered guy, a local guy. That he saw um, ability and potential in, and my friend Tom McDine, uh, he played guitar in John Oliva's Pain as well, and I was his plus one guest at the Seymour Duncan Artist Dinner Party at NAMM, where I met Michael Wilton. So these are guys that you know, they gave me they it opened doors for me as a as an undiscovered person, and there's there's somebody right now you know, just honing their skills and practicing in their bedroom, or there's somebody as a street performer that people just walk by, uh, you know, they don't pay them any attention. And because, you know, they're not quote famous or anything. And I just, it to me it was like passing the torch of like passing it on, not passing the torch, but passing it on to be like, you're, you deserve, you deserve number one, this record deserves you to be doing this with me. It's about the music first. Number two, I don't care about having a famous name on my record. I really don't. If like, if I happen to know somebody and they fit that profile of what I'm looking for and they're famous, then fine. But to me, it was like going back to our, to us as teenagers and, and doing, and having that dream fulfilled when we wanted to do a record and even though I'm in Queens, And I, that's been the, you know, the springboard for all of this stuff for me. Um, I, I, am I think I'm more excited for Craig than even myself sometimes, because he gets to experience this for the first time on a, on a larger scale and it's a great feeling and he deserves it. And um, it, to me, it's all about just being real and, and, you know, down to earth and it's about relationships you know everything else is bs to me
1: so so uh we should tell people too i'm a huge fan still of cds as my audience knows and i'm all about getting music on cd and todd's record is coming out through a label called rat pack which uh joe and the and and his team there uh, do I do a phenomenal job with packaging, and uh, if you are somebody like me that still values physical form of music, having whether it's your trip is CD like me or vinyl or Todd, I'm holding your album on uh, your new album on cassette in my hand right now that Joe sent me. It's unbelievable. how cool is that? That's, that's my nuts. favorite.
0: That's my favorite part about it because CDs weren't even invented. And we would put in a cassette. When I got the cassette, I went, this is the coolest thing I've, I've ever had.
1: <laughs> so you can get any, you can literally on Friday get any format of Todd's record. Yeah. If you have a cassette player still in your car or truck, or you just like the nostalgia of it, I'm holding it in my hand, it exists. Great CD with an oversleeve and all that. And vinyl, if you're on the vinyl kick. So whatever you're... Whatever your uh, your pleasure is, get the record in physical format. Sure, the streaming stuff is nice, but there's nothing like holding and opening and flipping through a booklet. And I mean, I grew, yeah. as everyone knows, I grew up working in a record store, just holding this stuff, smelling it, opening the booklet. Yep. It's just what it's all about, man. So it's uh, a great whole, stuff it's from Rockpack. Yeah, it really awesome. is. Crossroads to Insanity is an epic song and video, by the way, there's a video, a, a really uh, intense video, very, very cool video that has just been released for that song as well, which you can see where else on YouTube. But that was really cool, Todd, that you went, uh, I guess you went into a, an a, a insane asylum or what was it?
0: So that was actually uh, filmed at a good friend of mine. Uh, her name's Barbara Galinsky. And um, she's got, you know, Huge, huge houses. Uh, And so I said, well, with with COVID and certain locations are not accessible and film crews, we we were able to utilize um, her her place and do um, and do the shoot there. So, yeah, that was all done between a couple a couple of her houses. Yeah.
1: That's a hell of a house. <laughs> it's, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's like a hotel. It's huge.
1: <laughs> wow, that is amazing. Hey, I can't let you go without asking you for an update on Queensryche. Have you been able to write uh, or record with the guys? Are there plans? What, what are the plans? Obviously... Live shows are, you know, suspended. Although some people are starting to book towards the end of the year, my friend Doug in Tulsa just told me he's got a date with you guys downtown Tulsa on October sixteenth lined up. So mm-hmm. there's some stuff starting to come online for the end of the year. But what is the what is the projection for Queensryche as far as music and possibly live shows?
0: Yeah. Um, so we are writing. Uh, Michael Wilton came down, I don't know, a couple few weeks ago, time is slipping by so quickly. I don't even know what day it is at the time, but he came down and, um, and then Zeus, our producer, he decided to come down too, um, and, and, you know, work on new song ideas. Casey lives right down the road. So he came over and, uh, Eddie's writing stuff, Parker's in Seattle. He's, you know everyone's kind of doing their own thing musically. And then whoever's willing and able to get together in the same room during the pandemic, that's, that's what's happening, but we're writing music. We got a, a bunch of song ideas that I'm starting to work on lyrics and melodies for. Um, So hopefully we can get in the studio and record, um, you know, this year, this year sometime. Uh, That's, that's the goal. You know, if we can get a record out by, I don't know. Maybe beginning of next year, because it would be it would be nice to be able to tour on a new release. As you know, everybody's sitting on albums they can't tour on, and we don't really want to have to deal with that if we if we can help it. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's all good. We're right writing a new record, and yeah, things are good.
1: Is there any update on the Scott Rockenfield situation? Has anybody heard from him in his status?
0: Not to my knowledge. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So for so for all intents and purposes, as far as you guys are concerned, Casey is the Casey Grillo is the drummer in Queensrÿke, and Scott's era has come to a close.
0: I mean, all I can tell you, Eddie, is he took paternity leave, saying that he wanted he would be gone for about six months, and that was four years ago. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, Casey shows up. Every day, he shows up to uh, to songwrite. He shows up to record if needed, and he shows up for the live gigs. So I, that's all that I can tell you. Um, I haven't communicated with him in years. So I have no idea, no idea what he's up to. I couldn't even I actually tell. You.
1: Heard, I actually heard from him maybe like a year and a half, two years ago, and he said he wanted to come on at that time and do an interview and tell his story, but then he disappeared again, so I haven't heard from him since. I mean, um,
0: I, don't, I don't know what story there is to tell. I mean, people ask, but honestly, it, it is literally like deja vu. It's like, just go play the tape go go play me go play the answer i gave you 4 years ago because literally nothing has changed nothing has changed there's there's as far as i understand there there really isn't communication and uh i i couldn't tell you anything more than that and i, I you know some people think oh we're you know they're not telling us more they i don't have anything to say cuz i don't talk to him he doesn't talk to me um you know I don't, I, Casey, Casey's been playing with us for four years, all going on four years. And, you know, he, he shows up, the guy, the guy is uh, doing a, an awesome job. You know, I guess I'd revert it back to you, you know, like, uh, you know, if you left your radio show saying that you needed six months paternity leave, but you never communicated when you were coming back <laughs> for four years,
1: somebody would take know, my job. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, would the radio station stop running because you quit showing up to work, you know, and 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 keep in mind, you know, you
1: weren't,
0: you you weren't fired and you didn't give official written notice that you're never going to come back. You just don't come back or communicate, you know, does your key still work? Is your name on the door or are they going to find adequate talent replacement to keep, to keep things going? So I don't have anything bad to say. I don't really have anything to say. Other than, you know, he asked for paternity leave and just hasn't come back.
1: All right, man. Well, I got to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for the time. It's always good to talk to you. Everybody check out Todd Latours' debut solo album. It's called Rejoice in the Suffering. It's out Friday on every format you could want. Is there an 8-track coming? We, we need an 8-track, Todd. Ah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't even, I don't even know where you could find an eight track player, but I'm sure they exist.
1: They're hey, I know you got to run, but I want to
0: say like 10 thank, seconds. thank you. Uh, thanks for checking out the record and I'm glad that you like it. And I hope everyone can give it a listen and, uh, hopefully they like it too.
1: All right, man. I got to run. Good talking to you, Todd. Yeah, sure. I'll talk to you soon. Okay? okay. Take care. Well, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. And my thanks to Todd Latore. Check out his new solo album, Real Good Stuff. It is out now. You just heard all about it. Thanks to Katie Irizarry, the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you for listening wherever you are doing so around the world. Continue to spread the word and let people know about this podcast with new episodes each and every Thursday. Thank you for subscribing. Please be sure to follow on Twitter and Instagram, especially at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website, and there's a fan page on Facebook as well. And don't forget on Cameo. If interested, just search my name at Cameo.com. Hope everybody has a great week, and I'll see you next Thursday for another all new episode of the Eddie Trunk podcast podcast1.com spotify apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast thanks for listening sports fans, Podcast One has two great new shows for you to check out.
0: Seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori is bringing big guests and great NBA commentary
1: on the Big Shot Bob Pod. The Brooklyn Nets remind me of Oklahoma Sooner football. And we gotta have to outscore you every time. And that's what the Brooklyn Nets are. Hey, you
0: got Steve Nash at the helm. You got Dan Tony. They ain't thinking about no defense.
1: And Eric Bowling and Brett Favre come together for bowling with Favre. Everything from sports to politics to business and culture.
0: Any uh insight on what Aaron plans to do in, in Green Bay? What I read into his comments were simply frustration
1: nothing more than that subscribe now to the big shot bob pod and bowling with farve on the podcast one app apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review the shows on apple for your chance to be featured